This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 357 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Dimitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined I'm joined for the first time by Kai Dombrowski in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello. And I'm also joined by Malin Sundberg in Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it Thank out. you. So welcome to the show, guys. We've been listening for quite some time. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to actually be on the show now. Yeah. So how like so I'm curious about that. So how how long how often how long have you been listening to the show for? Um since before Greg joined Apple because he was still on the show back then. So, so Greg, I think Greg just had his fourth anniversary, so it's quite yes, a while. Yeah, yeah. But at least four years. <laughs> nice. That's and a little know. bit before he joined. It wasn't it wasn't that it was so perfect. I'm curious, how how did you find out about the show? How did you discover it? Good question. I think so. Yeah, I think he came to playgrounds in Australia in Melbourne. Oh, you met Greg. You, on the podcast, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's when I started listening. Could be it's a little bit it, asking questions about what happened four years ago. Is, <laughs> it's not that easy. It's funny. Greg is uh, he pretty much is the only person I trust with the controls of the podcast, right? So like, <laughs> I was really sad when he went to Apple and he can't he can't be on the show anymore, right? So <laughs> I tease him about it because we see each other at least you know once or twice a year when he comes to Toronto for to visit his family, he comes and has lunch with me, something. Or I go to I go to California and I see him, so that was good. Good friend. Um, Did you go down to WWC last year? I was in. Yeah, I got. I managed to get a ticket for 2019. Yeah, so I was there for that. And that was. I mean, so it's funny. You know, um, I was there in 2010 when Steve Jobs had the problem with the iPhone 4 and they, and they couldn't get it to work and. He got upset and left and came back 15 minutes later. They cut that out of the video, of course. Right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I was there in, I was, you know, Ash Furrow was going on about how he was doing a house, uh, I think Haskell and things like that. He was looking into other languages other than Objective-C, you know, and he was complaining on Twitter about the fact that Apple needs to change from Objective-C. And then, so we were there in 2014 and, you know, I, I was just, I don't know if I was sitting with him, but I was, he was in the, in the room and, uh, when they announced Swift, right? And I'm like, see, look, look what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, uh, the, the, my, unfortunately, I mean, I hate to say it out loud, but the, my sixth time going to WWC was 2019 when they announced Swift UI. So I've been there for sort of a major announcement of, of huh. all yeah, the things, right? So it's been cool. Yeah, yeah you, you picked, <laughs> picked all the good ones. Yeah, well, wasn't wasn't on purpose, but maybe I'm a bad <laughs> omen or something like that. I don't know. But because uh, my wife and I was and is a, a before I was a, a developer, I was uh, an Apple reseller, and we were we were invited down to uh, MacWorld in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and um, it was like it was 2007, and my wife and I are driving to traveling there, and she says like, "What's the big announcement going to be this year?" And I said, "Well, they're supposed to do something with a cell phone. I don't understand why." <laughs> <laughs> so famous last words, right? So yeah. my my entire life has changed because of the iPhone. How about yeah. yours? Yeah, yeah, pretty impactful. <laughs> pretty impactful. So, so I, I know, I know you guys. You guys got into. I think I heard Malin on a podcast earlier today. You, you got into uh, Swift development initially, right? When you first started, or yes. Um, well, I studied computer science, and I did do as I didn't have background in other languages. Uh, but when it came to iOS and the Apple ecosystem, then Swift was what I started. And you also I started- think we actually. 
I think that was actually a lie on that episode. I think we actually started right trying to learn Objective C about two weeks before that. I think you started. Maybe I figured. I see how. See how you're doing. <laughs> yeah. What year was that roughly? Uh, 2014. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. The year switch was announced yeah. two weeks before yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I I I wanted to because we have already programmed in other languages at that point. So I thought learning Objective C now. Or at least getting a little bit of an idea now it makes sense because then when I watch WWDC, I can actually start trying to play around with new uh, APIs. And then, of course, Switch was announced. So cool. Third last two two weeks out of the window and start from scratch with everyone else. As for me, I felt like, wow, this is, this is perfect. I jumped on that and I get a head start. Um, but then I don't know if I mentioned on that episode, then I started working um, at, the, like, at the company that had an app on the app store already. And of course, their product was already written, and it was all in Objective C. So I sort of had to like step back uh, from Swift to Objective C, and then we continued working on projects together. And I remember you commenting saying that since started to work there, my code, my Swift code became very Objective C like. Like the way I wrote the code was like Objective C, but in Swift, we yeah. wrote things together. But it's also funny because for me, I learned I started learning Objective C. Then Swift came out. I've never touched Objective C yeah. since. And Mullen thinking, why would you learn Objective-C now when Swift is out? Of course, their very first job required Objective-C. Yeah. yeah, it's it's well, it's interesting that that's an interesting argument. I mean, like I was, I, I mean, I probably pull this. People probably get tired of hearing me say this, but I actually have a few apps on the App Store that are completely Objective-C. Mm-hmm. I have one that I just I just added dark mode and dynamic type, and uh, recently, like like within a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all Objective C, and it ends with manual memory management. Rather, right? like, you know, I didn't even bother <laughs> oh, wow. updating. I mean, like, because you know, like, it's like a it's a hobby project. You're not yeah. going to spend a lot of time on it, right? So, but I, I took a, I took the challenge to update it. I always take the challenge to update it. But I thought it was fun to sort of try and do, um, you know, object update an Objective C thing with stuff that Apple's currently doing. And it, and it was inspired by this. I was interviewing last year for the accessibility team at Apple, and they were telling me, the, the, the interviewer was telling me that they still write a lot of their mm-hmm. stuff in Objective-D, so yeah. Yeah. No, it's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> this is so much, so much underlying code that's still going to be Objective-D, and I think mm-hmm. it, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see the timeline on like when everything will be completely mm-hmm. switched. But as, especially at the size of Apple's products, software products, Compile time matters a lot more than, than for us, right? We might complain. It's like, oh, man, my Swift project took 20 seconds to compile. How annoying. But at Apple's size of products, right, if, if Xcode would be all Swift, they probably wouldn't be able to get builds out over, uh, if, you know, the, the nightly builds would probably need at least a week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, when you when you, I mean, recently going through refactor decisions, you know, it's it's a question of, of can you afford the time? Is it, how much work is involved? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be a ton of things. I mean, I still work in core data, right? And core data mm-hmm. is very much Objective C, right? Under the hood. In yeah, fact, it's yeah. even deeper than that. It's core, you know, core like all kinds of core stuff, right? So it's hard to sort of say, you know. I think I think there's a lot of. I mean, maybe we'll answer this question for young developers listening to the show. But I hear this question a lot, like, what should I start with? And and you know, I I. I think yeah. I think if you're doing a new project today, I, like I think I probably would start with it with Swift UI. That's what I tend to do myself. But I think that there's still a very very strong argument to learn, you know, a UI Kit as well, right? Mm-hmm. What do you guys yeah. think about that? It is a it is a tricky state, and I think my answer might change on a week by week basis. <laughs> Sometimes hour by hour. Yeah, 
Um, I think, I mean, we are sort of fully in, immersed in Swift UI. Everything we, all the products we're working on are Swift UI, and we picked it up um, in like the fall of 2019, started building our Mac app orbit in Swift UI. So I feel like we know that we know the ins and outs, and we know sort of the pain points of it. So we can work around it now. But I think if you would be completely new to it, there's a lot of sort of quirkiness that mm. you could benefit. Like it's beneficial if you know a bit more about UI kit and more about like a little bit more of the history of the platform before you in order to get fix those problems. Yeah, but also knowing because Swift UI is getting a lot more customizable in the last few years, right? A lot more flexible for you to do what you want to do and also a lot of bugs being fixed but if if you don't have ui kit or app kit experience you might not realize that certain behaviors that swift ui gives you out of the box are actually quite unexpected like this my simple example is always when you're if you have a scroll view and the tab you know on your phone and you scroll mm -hmm. to the middle of the scroll view you tap the tab item you would expect it to scroll back to the top right it's a it's a gesture that's been there on I think since iPhone S one, two, yeah, it's pretty, very long. Are you talking about tapping on the in the navi on top yeah. of the screen so that the no when you when you have a tap bar oh, and you tap the same tab that's selected. So basically, oh, the okay. pop to root behavior. Yeah, first pop to root yeah. if you're in a navigation hierarchy, and then you tap it again and you scroll to the top mm. to scroll. Okay, view. right. That you just get for free with your iKit. There's nothing you have to do in Swift UI. You do not. So it's often right, yeah. easy test. Is this a Swift UI app? You just tap the tap item and see if anything happens. And if nothing happens, it's a Swift <laughs> UI app. And I think that is something, it's like a, an intuitive behavior that there that's there in many apps, but you might, unless you've been working in, with the framework before, you might not think of that as being a missing behavior. Mm. It just doesn't feel like mm. there, there are those sort of native behaviors that all apps used to have by default. And it requires extra work to, both to work on that, um, to sort of, work around the Swift UI, the parts that are missing mm. Swift UI, but it also requires you to be familiar with that pattern. And therefore, I think like knowing what UI kit used to do can be helpful. Um, but, but at the same time, it, I, I would, it would be hard for me to recommend someone totally. to go through the efforts of order layout and, or even just, you know, there are a lot of UI kit got more complex too, mm -hmm. but a lot of the configuration-based APIs, they take quite some time to get your head around if you're just getting started or even button configurations right they're not they're not trivial there's a lot of parts you have to learn before before you can use even the brand new ui kit apis so i don't know i would or if you would go back to using storyboards mm. just using spoke ui like the, just the constraint based layout just doesn't feel intuitive <laughs> anymore mm. so yeah, I, so yeah when did it ever feel intuitive right so yeah. Like I mean, I I wouldn't I don't miss auto layout at all. I mean, like you yeah. know, it's it was a it was a pain in the butt when it started. It got really janky. You kind of learned it, and then they changed it, and then they fixed okay. it, and that works okay. But I am like, when it comes to Swift UI, I'm glad I don't have to worry about auto layout anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you recommend? Would you tell people like going all in Swift UI? Don't worry about the the old ones. It's interesting. It's interesting because I I do know like you know in the case of it, like you know what Malin discovered and I discovered too is a lot of I mean the company I'm working at now is completely there's no Objective C at all which is great but um although we use Core Data but um uh where I was working before I was working at a bank and and a very large per percentage of the core of the core bases is um is Objective C and um but I mean like all the new work is being done in Swift they haven't really moved to Swift UI yet as far as I know um. But so I would, you know, 
if you're even if you're a Swift developer, I always tell people to go. But there's a few courses around that are like Objective C for Swift developers, just to mm -hmm. so you get you know a little bit of an idea what it's all about. I mean, because it is a very different kind of structure with the you know square brackets. And I remember when I was first trying to learn it, coming from web development to to iOS, it was very challenging to really understand what was going, what I was doing, you know, yeah. what was going on, right? So yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 storyboards are, I mean, individually, if you're working on an app by yourself, storyboards are fine. But if you're working in a group, they can be problematic. Um, they can take yeah. a long time to load. They can take a mm -hmm. long time to render in Xcode, you know, so they can be, they can be a pain in the butt. Good luck once you have merge conflicts. Then. Yeah, but have you ever tried <laughs> to write a, a button in in uh, in like programmatically? Like it's it's like you know a button is you drag it on the screen and you can and you hook up an out like an, an yeah. action, you're done, right? But <laughs> if you're writing it programmatically, there's like 27 lines yeah. of code you have to write to describe just what the button looks yeah. like. Yeah. Never mind, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's going to do. I mean, I do, and I'm you know I did figure out like I when I worked on Ray Render like or Codeco as they're called now. Mm -hmm we always did auto layout stuff in our tutorials and um it got to you know it got good with with auto layout in terms of being able to use the the tools in in the interface builder even though it's still built into xcode now but um you know programmatically learning how to do you know the, the what do you call it visual description language or whatever it is i forget the name mm -hmm. of it but you know the where you describe yeah. the the auto layout mm -hmm. constraints that can be that's tough to learn right that's because mm -hmm. it does it's not that's not intuitive at all but it does give you more flexibility. You can animate things. If you, you can animate as constraints, if you do it in code where you can't really do it in storyboard, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right? So, so that's that's kind of nice. I mean, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't recommend people learn Objective C just for the sake mm -hmm. of learning it. Um, there's no, there's real. I don't think there's really any point anymore. But, uh, but if you're joining a team, right, mm -hmm. that has a code base, you may need to know it, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there, I mean, there's a big long article on Facebook uh, that was published last week about their mm -hmm. sort of changes over time. And I'm, as far as I know, they're still, you know, quite heavily invested mm -hmm. in Objective-C too, right? Yeah. But that's also... That was something that I that I noticed when I had that first project that had Objective-C, that was an Objective-C code base. It felt like, it felt weird to go back and learn Objective-C, but then from there I had sort of that, when I went to the next job or to the next project, then I had Objective-C in the background and every time I found a result like a Google answer or something on Stack Overflow, it was still having a lot of Objective-C in it and I could use that learning to actually interpretate that, even if I didn't end up writing Swift code. And I think that's the stage that I think people should try to get to with SwiftUI, that like learning SwiftUI and focusing on that makes a lot of sense at this stage, especially if you're building your own apps and if you're planning on building new apps um, rather than having it backwards compatible. But then I think being familiar, like you said, maybe take some type of tutorial or something so that you can read it and so that you can work around it so that you're just aware of those things that are different between them. I'd probably recommend that. But it's also kind of fun. We now have a good opportunity. If you've only, if you're a fairly young developer, you might have only worked in Swift for about a year. You can join Apple today, and in some teams, you would have the most Swift experience in the entire team. <laughs> you could be the expert despite working at Apple. So that's kind of cool, mm -hmm. right? That Apple's now making the, the switch to use more Swift. So there's a lot of opportunity to, to actually help people that have been working with Apple platforms yeah. for, for decades to teach them a few new things. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I can say about, but we talk about how buggy Swift, Swift UI is, you know, it doesn't work with the navigation stack. There's this whole scroll view problem, which you talked about. 
Um, there's like how do you dovetail in um, UI kit using UI view representable and all that kind of stuff. There are ways to do things like that. But I mean, I can't remember, I've been doing this for 12, 13 years. I can't remember a time when Xcode wasn't buggy, when this, the, you know, source control and all that kind of stuff didn't work. And it, there's always, it's always been something. I mean, so the, I don't think saying, I remember I, I had an argument once with with a colleague at work um, because I was coming into an Objective C shop. I had already done two years or whatever of Swift, and it was right around the time that Swift three had just come out. And remember, it was a big disaster because they yep. they changed a whole bunch of definitions, and people were just flipping out and throwing tables and stuff. And I remember having a, a like a toe to toe discussion with this guy about how he's never going to learn Swift because it's you know because Objective C works, and and I'm like, dude, like. It, it does work. I mean, you just have to, maybe you have to change a few things. I remember when, when collection viewers came, first came out, it was, you know, yeah. a couple of crazy French guys from who Apple hired, who did the talk at WWDC. And I just remember thinking it was like a French Monty Python skit, this presentation. <laughs> right. And then, you know, then I, I loved it because I was working on iPad and we, we wanted to have that kind yeah. of layout and, and, um, you know, cause I was working in a magazine app. Mm. Right. And, uh, it made, it was a perfect, analogy for what we want to lay out mm. on the screen but it was pain in the butt to learn like it was really yeah. really tough to sort of figure out you know the, yeah. the whole and it was super buggy yeah and i think if you're coming from like uh, i think you're right like there are other problems that you might have had to work around with um ui kit before but i also think when you're coming from ui kit and you want to know swift ui you really have to get into a different mindset i think people are trying to i hear of people trying to bend swift ui into working in a ui kit way and I don't want to tell people that they're holding it wrong, but I do yeah, think totally you are. You're 100 yeah. right. I was going. I was going to say that about, about that earlier. Is that like because because we had a big argument like when when in more than just code back in the early days, but about uh, idiomatic Swift. I think was what Aaron called it. Like he was waiting for someone to define what is what is the yeah. way you work in Swift because we were all working with an Objective C mindset trying to get Swift to work to bend to our will, right? And it just it's just a different language, right? And mm -hmm. and the same thing with Swift UI. I think the problem right now is I don't think there really is an idiomatic Swift UI. I mean, there is. I mean, in terms of what Apple's presenting. Um and and it's almost like I think people have a perception that Swift UI is still for, for novelty app, like not really not really meant for the hardcore <laughs> kind of thing, which which is kind of cool because I mean obviously you two guys are the are the people to talk to about that because I think you did orbit is is if I'm not mistaken, Swift UI and and I was going to ask you guys, how's the weather in Vancouver is my joke to <laughs> the show, but <laughs> when we, when we didn't have a chance to go out because we were just jumping from one th thing to another mm -hmm. and it was the first clear, nice, yeah. beautiful day we've had in weeks. <laughs> is the sky gray or blue? <laughs> it's, it's actually it's blue. It's blue, but it's, yeah. it's like the, the majority of sky is blue, not just yeah. like a hole. It's good. Yeah, it's funny. When I lived in Vancouver, I lived there for eight months. I was never there in the summer months, so I wasn't. I wasn't there in in Ju uh, July or August, so I don't know what Vancouver summer is like. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I just remember the the sky was always gray, yeah. and it was always raining. Cause I loved rain. I like rain. Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, but it's amazing how much bluer the sky here in Ontario is. <laughs> no, the reason I was saying about weather obviously is because of your weather app, right? So, <laughs> but uh, but maybe you can tell the folks at home about. But your your orbit apps and your weather app and and explain that how Swift UI was the sort of the main domain language you guys chose, right? Yeah, I think for orbit, orbit was we always like when we want to pick up a new new framework, a new language, whatever we might want to learn, we always like to have a project in mind because <laughs> I think that often gets you over the hurdles, right? Because whenever you pick up a new language, 
I don't know if you feel the same, but sometimes you, you, you get the more other things you've learned, the more frustrated you, you get when you can't figure something simple out in a new thing you're learning. And having a project in mind and a goal in mind, I think always helps you make it through those speed bumps. Yeah, so, I think there's three things that helps do it. It helps you really push through those mm -hmm. those pain points, but it also helps you really focus in on what you want to learn. Mm. Um, and I've forgotten the third point. And it's rewarding <laughs> when you make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we wanted to have a very nice native mm -hmm. Mac time tracking and invoicing app because we, at that point especially, we were spending most of our days doing client work, contract work, and we just didn't quite like some of the other options out there. And you know, famous last words, how hard could it be to build a brand new Mac app uh, in, in SwiftUI? Apple said on stage, SwiftUI works on all platforms. So let's, <laughs> let's uh, take them for the word and see if we can make a, a nice Mac-like feeling app in SwiftUI. So you mentioned, you mentioned the contract work. So are you telling us that you're, you're now, you're surviving just on your apps alone? Like, is that the case? Or? Yes, I think we would. Uh, we we would survive in the apps, but we're still doing uh, contract work. Mm -hmm. But we are now in a fortunate situation that we can be very picky. So we only take on on client projects where we either really like the, the the people involved, or we really like what they're doing, and either has we think it is useful in the world, mm -hmm. or has some kind of positive impact, or it is uh, in an industry we find fascinating. So that's that's the luxury that mm -hmm. that we now have with our our own apps being being successful enough to to pay for rent and food that we can be more picky with client work mm. but it's still cool. it's still a 50 50 ish yeah. time split so what's the what's the mac market like i mean i i, I think um leo had a sarah reinhardt on her sh his show and she's a mac developer right mm -hmm. on the code co team um what uh like what's what's the income stream like i mean like i assume you're selling your app through the mac app store is that correct yeah yeah and a subscription model right yeah it is yeah and we also since releasing the mac app we did release it on ios and the watch as well um and we do found that we we have had more consistent app store features on the ios uh on, on ios but then many people many people discover it there but then they end up using it more on the mac mm -hmm. sort of um, it's interesting that way that like just having it on all the platform makes more people decide to download it mm -hmm. and, uh, and use it. Um, but one thing we really liked was that as soon as we released it, like the market looks so different on, on the Mac, uh, Mac OS app store versus iOS app store. I don't remember the numbers, but it's just the amount of new. It's something apps. like, I think it's 11 new Mac apps a month yeah. are being submitted to Apple and there are 11 new iOS apps per minute submitted to yeah. Apple. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's quite a different <laughs> so, scale. That's so that was something we definitely yeah. noticed when we did our initial launch. We were fortunate to get picked up and be featured a week into. In the new and noteworthy section on the Mac App Store? Yeah. In the new and noteworthy section, that's sort of like apps that are new and noteworthy that came out recently. And if you would have an app, a section like that on iOS, it would be something that changes out every day. But on the Mac, that was something we, we were in that section for like, I think, on the first page for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we continue being in that screen for multiple months. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, that's just something that you don't, that type of sort of discovery and like being there for so long is something you don't have on the iOS app store. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really good for, for the discovery part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And are you, are you in multi-languages as well? Like you do, do you have localized in different languages or uh, mercury is the weather app we have in swedish german and 
all the languages that no, we can, that we can you speak. Yeah, that you can read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say trilingual people, but and so Orbit is only English. Only in English. Another thing is that um, we were also fortunate because the store is smaller. We were fortunate to not just be featured in the US App Store. We were also featured in other stores, even though we only support English. We were around in mm. Europe and Australia. Mm. Oh. Yeah, but for Orbit, we, we looked at how many strings. We had everything as localizable string keys in SwiftUI. Um, <laughs> we looked how many strings we would have to, tr to localize. And then we decided to hold off until we no longer making major UI changes because, especially for a time tracking invoicing app, you wouldn't. I mean, maybe maybe you would. But for us, we're like, how many strings can there be? And it was like an order of magnitude more than than Mercury easily. And there's so many very specific words that are like related to taxes mm -hmm. and and rounding of invoices and rounding of time entries and specific. Yeah, verbiage about clients that, despite us, you know, Malin grew up in Sweden. I grew up in Germany. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what those what those terms. Are. Yeah, we, you know, I, most of our career we spent outside of our countries of origin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of those words we just didn't know. We're like, all right, well, so so I mean, I can I can give you a suggestion. I mean, you can take this um, with a grain of salt if you like. But I mean, like I found a service early in the day called We Can Localize. And mm -hmm. so my, my app was written for IT professionals, right? So I didn't want words translated yep. into Chinese, into, into Italian and French and whatever. That didn't make sense. So they put me in touch with translators who are in that particular, um, they understood the terms I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, occasionally a translator would say, what does, what does this mean? Like, you know, like, yeah. Uh, like what, you know, take a term that's like specific to computers, you know, kind of thing, like, like keyboard could mean a different thing. It can be like the, the thing on your typewriter. It can mean the key thing you play music with, you know, but they, they knew the right word to use for, for a term like that. And uh, so it was, and it was a relatively inexpensive and painless thing. And then in, any updates I've ever done, I just use Google Translate or something like that mm -hmm. to do the updates. Yeah. And uh, I know how to say bug fixes and, and other things in like multiple yeah. languages, thanks to Google, right? But, yeah. uh, and that was it was a relatively inexpensive thing but the, the the good side of that was is that i have a lot of people downloading my apps in china and in russia for two weeks i was like the number one app on the apps they're just organically oh, really? and then i thought oh well i, I put it out for free and I, I got like you know twelve thousand downloads i'm like this is amazing so i went and put the 99 cents sales went <laughs> <laughs> And they've never recovered. But yeah, so I should have just left it as it was and ridden away. But yeah, man, it was just a simple little game that we had written. That, uh, mm. But because I had done the menus and the buttons, the only thing I would worry about with, with time tracking is, I mean, we could talk about time zones for an hour and a half, mm -hmm. right? But because that's always a problem. And then I think regionalization might be a challenge for, you know, I think in Europe they do dates and times differently than they do in the US. Mm. And Yeah, right? we do account for all of those. The, yeah. the bigger problem is, for example, uh, Germany has very strict guidelines of how an invoice has to be formatted. Like they have uh, the, your tax ID has to be exactly in this spot. You have to have certain terms on them and it, things have to be arranged in a specific way. Mm. And we know that that's very particular in Germany and we assume it's similar in other countries. So we just also didn't want to expose ourselves to changing that for. Yeah, and I feel like as soon as we add a translation to that, I think there's a different assumption from the users that we will be uh, accommodating. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So we will build templates, probably 
this year. Mm -hmm. So more of a template engine for your invoices. And I think that would be a good point for us to also add localization because then we can have uh, like predefined templates for this is for European customers, this is for Japanese customers, this is for American customers, this is for Canadian. Mm -hmm. We um, flexible enough so people can people can follow it, yeah, yeah. The, the local laws and then maybe even share the templates with us so we can mm. build them into the app. I think that that would probably be a good time for us to, to actually fully support that. Yeah, and I think I think that's probably probably a common common that a lot of developers don't know about is that, you know, sometimes you have to weigh what the actual usage is going to be. Like if it's for like a very small percentage of your audience, it's almost not worth doing it, you know, unfortunately for the user. But that's the reality yeah. of development, especially yeah. when you're when you're the bootstrapper and you're you're paying for it yourself, yeah. right? So Yeah. Yeah. Well, an opportunity. So let's let's dial back the the, the time with the clock here a little bit. So once you I'd like to find out a little bit about yourselves. Like you know, Melon said she uh, studied uh, computer science. I mean, so and I looked at I compared your your uh, LinkedIn pages, you know, to try and do some research on you guys. So can you tell me like yeah, like how you met, where you went to school? I know you, did you both work in in Sydney and moved to, to Canada yeah, together? Yeah. Or? yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about how up to date my link was. <laughs> Probably not very. Yeah, no, but I, I think that one's it's a reasonable reference, but we had to go back a bit more. Yeah. Um. So we met um when we were like, in high school. You, yeah. Mm. Uh, so we were pretty young ones, and uh, we met in France. Um. Didn't speak super good English. <laughs> so then we, uh, but then we were like visiting each other. We were. Um, like learning English while traveling and got better. Mm. And then we um, started dating. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> you're trying to pick up the time. Yeah. I go. The guy lived in Germany. He's grown up in Germany. I'm from Sweden. Um, but yeah, we happened to meet in France. And then once Kai was done with high school, you want to move up yeah. to Germany? Yeah, I had, I had absolutely no idea. Coming out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I thought probably study at some point. But even when you decide to study, you don't really you kind of have to select what and i had no idea well actually that's not true in the us you have undeclared yeah in in germany you, you declare, what declare what you're yeah yeah um so i didn't really know um so i figured hey i know Malin. <laughs> so maybe i just moved to sweden that seems like something smart to do right get get some experience living in a foreign country that would be fun that, so then i moved to sweden um and turns out moving to Sweden is not really a full-time thing. <laughs> I arrived there. I was like, cool, this is a lot of new things to to see. And I was there. I was like, oh, I still have to figure out what I want to do with my life now. Now I just have no idea what to do with my life in Sweden. Um, so Martin finished uh, school at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then we looked at, all right, if we want to study, where, where in the world, where, where in Sweden at that point mm. do we want to study? And we found one university at the Arctic Circle uh, that would that had a good amount of courses in English, yeah. which was required because I didn't speak any Swedish at that point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was. Did you say the Arctic third... Circle? Arctic Circle, yes. Like <laughs> like that Arctic Circle? Yeah, that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So yeah, quite. If it would have been in the Arctic Circle, I think we would have done like no, we're out fifty kilometers away. Yeah. Yeah, just just south, right? It sounds nice and warm. Just south of the Arctic Circle. <laughs> um, and at that point in time, I was because I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. I and I was always into Apple. I started I, like a like a bad thing. You you were happily not knowing. <laughs> yeah. I can't explore the left of the Yeah, but I definitely had an urgency of like I, at some point should figure something out. So I, I just started 
like an iPhone repair business just for friends and family first and started repairing iPhones because people drop those things a lot. And I was like, I, I, I can fix that. That's easy. So I started doing that and that kind of grew. And uh, then I started realizing that I could also just import broken iPhones from other places in Europe where iPhones were cheaper because they were really, really expensive in Sweden. Uh, Sweden, I think, was the iPhones in Sweden were the most expensive in Europe. So I just bought broken iPhones in places in Europe that, where they were cheaper and then I fixed them up and sold them in Sweden. That seemed like a good way to pay rent. Uh, through that, I started building a relationship with Chinese suppliers to, to get the parts and get uh, good parts because I was very picky about the parts. But there were a lot of, at that point, there were a lot of cheap replacement displays that had terrible colors and rainbowing when I, I wanted like the good parts. I, I built some relationships there. So that started building my own LED lights. My, my dad is, uh, has been running his own company for a long time and he is installing uh, electrical lighting. Electrical lighting. Uh, lighting. He's <laughs> uh, installing lighting, uh, like light, lighting fixtures. Mm. And then he was like, when Kai started talking about this, he was like, so do they, do they make lamps? And then you started yeah, looking into that. And then it turned into a little bit of a partnership. So if you ever in Stockholm and you go through a, any of the tunnels, Stockholm has a lot of tunnels, there's a good chance that the reason you can see in that tunnel is because of the LED lights that we produce in China. Huh? Cool. <laughs> yeah, okay. so that was a weird, weird part of a, <laughs> my career. So then I thought, all right, so obviously I should study business, right? I, I kind of run a business there. So I guess studying business makes sense for someone who has no idea what to study. Yeah. And for me, uh, at that point, we wanted to start a thing university. And I'm the first person in my family who has gone to university. So I really didn't know what to expect and what that situation would be like. And if it was something that was my type of thing that I wanted to, uh, to continue with. So I wanted to just start, take a course, start trying it out and see if I enjoyed it. And then I started with uh, sociology and social psychology. Um, and that it was something I enjoyed, but it was a lot of, sort of essay writing. Um, and yeah, that's, so that's what we did in Sweden. And then that, that this one becomes really long. We'll get, we'll get to where we are at some point. Yeah. Um, then first winter happened just south of the Arctic. So I got really, really cold, really, really dark. Uh, at one point, I had a bike with hydraulic brakes. I was on my way to university cycling in like minus, it's nice, minus 30 something degrees, which is nice because it's pretty pretty much the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. So I don't have to. <laughs> um, really, really cold. Uh, hydraulic brakes, turns out they don't work when it's way below freezing anymore. So I, I couldn't brake, hit, hit some kind of snow piles. Like, right, I'm done. Uh, where can we study where it's warm? And that evening, we looked for universities in both California and Australia, found one in Australia we like, applied for that. And, then and we got people said within like 48 hours, we got a reply that, yeah, we, that we, we were accepted. Yeah. And we're like, we were able to get, because we must have gotten in like a last minute um, acceptance phase. And mm. we were able to also get some of our credits transferred. Mm. So it all seemed really good. So like, okay, let's just go. And mm. then we left. And moved, to, moved to Australia yeah. to escape the the, the cold. Yeah. Where did you move? Where did you move? You moved to Sydney in Australia, right? No, we moved to Perth on the west coast. Oh, you went to Perth, which is like you have to fly to Sydney. Like first of all, like I just wanted for for geography lesson here for everybody. I just want to share my maps app here because I was looking up Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so you see up here, this is the Arctic Circle <laughs> where I've got my cursor. And so I guess you guys are here in Stockholm. Is that where you were? Or? That's where I grew up. And then if you go further up, um, and zoom like in a little bit. <laughs> small thing that sticks out. Kind of where it gets tighter between Sweden and Finland. Uh, that's that's pretty much where our university was. Uh, keep going north. Keep going north. North? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you see. A little bit further north. There. All right. Now, now it's in the bottom right of your corner. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Cool, right here. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, so then, and then, so what I was going to say was, I know that uh, we have some relatives in. Let me just go to Sydney here, because we we have some relatives in Perth, and uh, I know that you fly to Sydney and then you take another two-hour flight to Perth, right? Um, so from Europe, we flew through. Yeah, through Qatar to yeah. Perth. So we went the other way around yeah. the world. Yeah, but if you go oh, you went the other way around the world, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you go all the way to the west, and there's Perth. so there's Perth down there, right? Yeah. Who builds these apps? This must be a catalyst app, I tell you. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's that's for our our viewers at home. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we that that's where we moved for studying. It's cheaper on the west coast than it was on the east coast. Um, also, I like the west coast. I think but while studying, I think mean, like mm -hmm. so much outdoor space, being able to go. The beach, go and do sports, and those type of things is good. Um, but it is one of the most remote cities in the world. It's very, if you look at the map, there's Perth, and then there's essentially nothing in any direction. Yeah, like there's stuff, but there's no one living at that stuff. It's <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Emptiness. yeah. Um, so then cool. once we, we then, as part of our education, yeah, so we, we did a Most of us realized when we were in Australia, we were able to take uh, general electives, so we're able to take. You, uh, courses that were not part of our major. So then we both tried out computer science and we ended up both really liking it. And, and immediately that's, switched. That's how we ended up switching and that's how we ended up going ahead and some mm -hmm. computer science. Yeah. yeah. And then once we were done with that, that's when we moved to Sydney because Sydney was definitely the more interesting uh, tech city in, in Australia. Of course, it's not the most. I mean, there are some tech people and they actually have a pretty nice IRS community, mm -hmm. but it definitely feels a bit smaller. Um, great people, but very small. And we were we were in a mindset of like, hey, we want to go to to a bigger tech place where you know where there are other people to talk to about technology. We were really like really into it. that's essentially what we want to spend most of our days with. And also talking only, about a fourteen hour flight to Dub Dub versus yeah. a twenty four hour flight. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. And so, so just to, before we wrap up this section, like you. What what's your, your sort of history with computers or technology in general? Like when when did you first ever see computers or when when did you <laughs> first get into them other than computer science or the internet or email yeah. and things? So I um I had like a family computer as I was growing up, but my brother broke it a lot. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have like a positive um experience, I guess. I was a bit sort of worried of like playing around with it too much. I didn't want to um didn't want to do that too much so i was and i was also like i had a lot of hobbies that were more related to arts and crafts and doing stuff with my hands so that was something that i was very much like fully in on doing my um like when i was growing up and in school i went to schools that gave that in general swedish schools are very focused on the creative fields um but i specifically went to one where i took even extra art classes and those type of things um so yeah, I was uh, very much focused on that. Not that much computers at that point. Uh, when Kai and I met, that was the first time I got to use a Mac. Um, and that's when I started feeling that I was actually feeling like at home. 
on a computer. Uh, so it was pretty late, I think, compared to many other people. Um, but yeah, that's what yeah. it was. So it wasn't that you weren't in a computer, you just really couldn't stand Windows. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it was that. Um, but yeah, since then I was just like, then I got a lot more into tech in general and a lot more comfortable with tech. Um, but then I think like computer science was just nothing I had been exposed to and like programming was very, like studying at the university was very foreign to me, but like working with computers and doing that was even more foreign to me. Um, so I think for me, just having to, like, it was super helpful to see, Kai took the computer science the year before me, that class he took before me. And I just saw some of his homework, and I think that was when it actually clicked to me what computer science is. I thought it would be, uh, well, I guess what I noticed was that it was so much about like creative thinking and uh, problem solving, which I hadn't expected. And it was sort of the, the part of, it wasn't very mathy, but the part of math that I did like a lot, like the problem solving was there. So that's why I thought, okay, this is actually really good. And I could combine sort of my creative feel, creative side um, with software turns <laughs> some lights on um yes i could i felt like i could combine that a lot mm. um, plus you had yeah mine was i mean once i finally studied computer, studied computer science a lot of people in my life were like finally <laughs> uh, i was i was really into computers in my for my i'm the only one in my family if you would talk to my my sister you wouldn't believe that we we're related my sister is an author she would still love to use a typewriter if if her publisher would allow her to she she hates and fears computers with a passion. I when she asked me what computer to get, I told her that she should. It was just when the M1 uh, MacBook Airs came out. I was like, "This is the perfect computer for you. It's fast. You won't have to worry about it." And then we visited them in six, summer six, last six months after. More than six months. Yeah. I was like, "So how's the new computer going?" She's like, "It's still in a box. I don't dare to open it." Okay, <laughs> so we, we unbox it together, nice. and, and I was like, "You should unbox it." It's like, "Do I have to?" It's like, "Okay, I'll do it for you." I set it up because I liked it. Right, opening a new Mac is always fun, even even if it's not not mine. <laughs> so I set it all up. But yeah, she she's very much on her computers, and in general, my family was always very hesitant. Um, so the first time I got access to the internet was with the Sega Dreamcast. You know, the video game console. Yeah, that yeah. came with the modem, and so that was that was for me. It's like finally I have something because some of my friends went to computers and had internet at home. I was like, mm -hmm. finally I have a way of surfing the internet ish. Uh, and then at some point, I, I love it enough at home to to get a computer. And I I was but at some point fell into into the Apple well, and then uh, I, I spent a lot of summer jobs with the sole purpose of being able to buy new Apple computers. And back then, Apple had really, really good... Uh, I mean, they still have good student discounts, but back then, uh, around like early, late uh, Power, Power Mac, early Intel, or yeah, during that period, Apple really had really good student discounts. Plus, you got a printer with it. And during back to school, you, you usually get like an iPod or something. Uh, so I always try to align my Mac purchases to, to buy a new Mac, get all the student discounts, get all the student gifts that you get with it sell all of those so i could afford it and then <laughs> once once the new ones came out i would usually try to see if i could find a way of breaking even with one of the new back to school promos and that's kind of how i managed to to get get into into and then update my max very frequently and then summer jumps to to buy the first iphone because that was also a whole 
ordeal in Germany. You could only buy it with a super expensive uh, telco in, in Germany. So I found someone who, who just accidentally ordered. That person had way too much money. They accidentally ordered two, didn't realize it. And I was like, all right, what kind of summer jobs can I do and help you out? And and I'll, I'll just take the iPhone as a as a payment. It's like, all right, sure, whatever. Nice, yeah. around. It's like, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then for subsequent years, I, I flew to Italy because Italy had a law that you weren't allowed to sell carrier locked phones. So Italy was one of the only places in the world where you could buy unlocked phones. Oh, nice, so I always yeah. found like super cheap, you know, in your Ryanair, you can sometimes find like five bucks flights. So I would always try to see, all right, can I, within a day or so of iPhone launch, can I find a really cheap terrible Like, I, I don't know if you've ever been on a Ryanair plane, but you have no <laughs> leg room. They keep blasting ads through the PA system all the time. The entire thing is full of ads. You can't bring anything. They charge you for everything. But, What's you know. E-cigarettes on the Yeah, e cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very strange, but it got me as as a fairly poor high school student <laughs> in the most cost effective way to Italy to to go to random small Italia or or uh, what, what was it Tim uh, uh, telco stores and try to convince them somehow in my broken English and their broken English to buy an iPhone on launch day it was quite the adventure. Mm. Uh, so that was quite fun. Once we <laughs> once we moved to Australia, uh, Australia had. Also, unlocked phones, and they were available on on day one. Those that from in Sweden, mm-hmm. Sweden usually got the iPhones in kind of the second batch because Swedish it's just not a big enough language. Yeah. yeah, right, right. No, I lost my train of thought. What was the, uh, how we get into computers? Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. So before we move on to the the question part of the show, I, just, I I I know you guys are doing some talk. Some you're going to some conferences soon, or you're going to Deep Dish, right? So mm-hmm. can you tell us the, a little bit about the talks you're going to be doing, or where are you going to be speaking? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so Deep Dish is a conference in Chicago. Um, and we're going to talk on the... It's organized by Josh Holtz. Um, so, and Kari. Sorry? Kari. And Kari. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they um, they decided to put a conference together. And we're going to talk at the Indie Dev track. Hmm. Um, so it's a three-day or oh, two-and-a-half-day conference. And we're talking on the first day. So April 30th. April 30th. Uh, and we're also making a podcast about it leading up to the conference. We we really enjoyed. Um, we went to a conference in Australia called Playgrounds, um, and we they had a podcast recording. And I know that NS North has done it as well. Um, when they interview all of the podcast, sorry, all of the uh, speakers at uh, at the conference, and we decided to do something like that. So we're also recording a show with every speaker. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? We're talking about. You guys were doing a podcast before, um, was it Cup of Tech, I think? Cup of Tech, yeah. Yeah, so how is that, have you, are you not doing that anymore, or is it on hold, or? It is on hold for now. Uh, we have been trying to record episodes around all Apple events in the past, because we did used to have this sort of prediction game where we, it's a very complicated rule system, we put some, put some predictions together. Um, we liked that a lot, but um, it used to be a weekly show, and then... We get busy. Our other host Zach also got busy, so we decided to not have it as that. Did you do that in person, the four of you together, or no? We initially actually started as a way of still because Zach, we used to work at the same contracts with Zach in Sydney, and we would always go in the morning. The first thing we would do is go to Sydney or Australia in general, really into coffee. So really good coffee. So we really got into coffee. Zach is into coffee. So the first thing we would always do is. 
go to a coffee shop and talk about all the latest Apple rumors. That was kind of our thing that we that would essentially kick off every workday with. Um, so we we thought we would have a podcast to kind of uh, mimic that that coffee before work. And then it escalated. Podcast, it makes it seem like we went for a two-hour coffee. Yeah, it escalated. Now we have three-hour yeah. recordings. But yeah. That's more or less how, how Mark and I started with more than just code, because we used to work together like remotely. Like I was here in Toronto, he was in San Jose, and we would work for like a half an hour, and then we would talk for an hour, right? So uh, that was why he was an easy person to put on there. Okay, so I have this part of the show, right, where I do whenever I have guests on, where I, I have... Uh, Based on the work of Marcel Proust and also Stephen Colbert from the Late Late Show, mm-hmm. um, I ask you a bunch of random questions, and uh, we'll see if we get to know you a bit better. I mean, although we just had a great session about your your education there, so if you're ready and you're seated comfortable, we can we can start with this one. All right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can either one of you can answer, or you can both answer. It's or you can maybe you can argue about the answer. Right. <laughs> All right. I think that's a given. The first question is, this is a Marcel Proust question. The first question is, what is your motto? <laughs> oh, man, no. I've been working on so What's your elevator copy. pitch? Yeah. I've been working on marketing copy all day. Like, those are things I'm, I'm bad at. All right. So. Mar- a motto. Like, for me or for my app? <laughs> Yourself? Your, what's, what's your personal, what's your, when people pick up the phone or, well, they don't pick up the phone anymore, but when people want to get a hold of Malin, what are they, what are they, why do they come to you? <laughs> And you're starting with an easy one, huh? I was thinking about maybe helping you out. <laughs> <laughs> if you can help me, go for it. I think in general, for Marlin, it is, if someone would come to Marlin for something, I reword your question a little bit, it would be because they have a fairly tricky technical challenge that they want solved, but they want it to be solved in a way, or help them being solved in a way, aesthetically pleasing and a kind of friendly way of approaching a challenging problem i think that i mean there, there are a million things about you but i think that is if 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 we would have phone books still and you would have to have a pitch of why someone would call you i, um, I would probably put that in there hmm. like that do i have to come up with that more for you you don't have to come up with that way we can move we can accept that answer and move on if you like that's that's fine too that's a good one thank <laughs> you okay um what's your favorite word oh favorite word suspicious quite like awkward because it's spelled very awkwardly. Yeah, it's like it's onomatopoeia, like... right? Yeah. So, but why? Why suspicious? What's what? What do you like about suspicious? Good question. I. How it feels when you say it? Is it? The yeah, I think word? it has a good. I think it has a good. <laughs> it has a good ring to it. I do like your answer better. Awkward is is really fun because it's an an awkward word to spell. That, that means it's awkward. Suspicious just always had a. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's my excuse is as. A, English as a foreign language, you just sometimes have words that you find hard to spell and you build yourself weird bridges. And suspicious was one of those. I was like, yeah, kind of like that word. Uh, one question I always want to ask people who speak multiple languages when you think, what language are you thinking in? This is not, this, I'm just making this question up. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a question I've been asked multiple times. I wouldn't necessarily say that I think in a language yet, and especially not a single language. Pretty much like whatever gets me there the fastest. So it can be a mix between languages or it can be images and mm. feelings. Like I think I feel I think more abstract mm. than words. Especially for me, I learned I'm now at like I would say I, I speak three languages. I've learned others in school, but 
post on account, but I, I do speak Swedish, I do speak German, I do speak English. I think when I moved to Sweden, I was definitely translating more. When I tried to say something in Swedish, I was thinking about the sentence in German and then trying to translate it to Swedish and then say the thing. When we moved to Australia, I think that turned into a a new layer of abstraction. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of an in intermediate language that's not any of those three. Yeah, and yeah. it's more of a, you know, when when you think about a worm sitting at a beach at, uh, and it's a warm summer evening at the beach and you're watching a sunset, right? If you think of that feeling, you wouldn't think of that in those words. You wouldn't describe the scenery. You kind of have a, you can very quickly imagine a feeling, mm -hmm. but it's hard to put in words. And I think that that, that is a good layer of, forming thought and then yeah. you can from there parse it into any of the languages that you want to express yourself in yeah that that's sounds kind of weird but i think that's a much more elegant than i described it. yeah i think i think for me it's kind of like protocols in that you know if i'm speaking to somebody who's, <laughs> who's spanish or somebody who's french you know i'm i'm my brain is working in english but i know this is the expression and this is the grammar you use when you're when you're putting the sentence mm. together mm. kind of thing right so same thing when i when you're latin you always put the, the subject at the end of the sentence i just remember that from yeah. grade seven i've never yeah. i haven't really spoken much latin since then but but for some reason math a hundred percent i always do in german it's true every time i count something like i do any like math calculation in my head i do it in swedish mm. because it's a, i think it's just i was so ingrained learning it in one language mm. Yeah, I also do like the way you count in German. You know, in English, if you're in like in the twenties, you say twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. So the, the the changing number goes to the end. In German, you would switch it around. You say uh, one twenty, two twenty, three twenty, and I found that a lot easier to to count if you focus on only on the that you focus first on the, the significant number that's changing and then you just know which kind of grouping you're in if you're in the 10s 20 30 40s i see that argument but german is just much longer you would count a lot slower <laughs> not a lot of people <laughs> complain about my, my my counting speed so i think i'm okay on that one you just say it faster so i mean this is a great question for you guys because you've lived many places but where would you most like to live <laughs> i think that that question changes a lot depending on which part of the Vancouver season you ask us that. I think right now we just spent a, a bunch of time in, in Southern California, mm -hmm. in Encinitas in particular. So right now I would say if, if you would force me to move, if you would force me and to take care of all the legalities and everything related to it, right now I would probably pick Encinitas. It's a very nice beach town, very friendly people. Yeah. It's warm all year round. Uh, I mean, locals still complain that it rained like almost three days and three weeks but it was at least for our vancouver standards that was yeah. that was a very beautiful winter i think that is something that's been a bit of a not a shock like we knew it but i think moving from australia to vancouver canada it, like we we know that there are parts of the world where it can be warm and nice all year round and even though vancouver is the warmest city in canada it's a bit too the winters are hard for us yeah yeah, we were we were talking to to Greg while we were in uh, in uh, in Sydney. We had a local meetup, or we we hosted a meetup there on vacation, which kind of gives you a sense of our mindset. You you at least for us, we got used to good weather very quickly, and it takes a lot harder to to try to accept mm -hmm. that you're now living that you're exposed to cold weather and you can't just sit outside when you know sometimes it's nicer, especially as a developer, you spend a lot of time indoors. I like being able to at any time during the day when there's a hard problem 
just go out for a walk. In Southern California, that walk, very pleasant. In in Canada in winter, a bit chilly. <laughs> true, true. Um, what's the best sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gluten intolerant, so keep that in mind when I'm answering. I haven't tried that many sandwiches, I guess. And I'm not going to give you a sandwich answer. I'm going to say, <laughs> say bagel with cream cheese. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's it called? The one you put in the pan with cheese? Oh, grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. Yeah. I, I grilled, cheese. grilled cheese. Yeah. Just plain something... grilled cheese, ketchup, pickles. Nope. Pickles no. It's just vanilla plain. Nice, nice, a lot of butter and just with high, nice, nice cheese. I, I came to grilled cheese very late in my life and <laughs> it is definitely... Uh, sticking with it. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. Window or aisle seat? Oh, window. window. But he, he always did. <laughs> All right. Cats or dogs? Both. Both. Okay, good answer. But if, if if I would have to be forced into an order, if it's only one, I would pick a dog. I think cats get lonely very quickly if they're all by themselves. So if I if if it would be have to be one animal than a dog, I think a dog is a lot better at um mm -hmm. being by themselves. Cats cats seem to struggle when they're you know, it's not that when out of the house all the time, but if, if you're like if you're traveling, I think mm -hmm. uh, a dog is is taking it easier than a you cat. You still shouldn't just leave them in their house on the. No. <laughs> I do know, but if you do leave them, or not don't leave them in the car either. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> but I do think cats take that take it harder if yeah. they're gone for a week and you put them to leave them with a friend than a dog. Okay. So, which words do you overuse the most? Words or phrases do you overuse the most? It depends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, I stick with it depends. I mean, you, that's the word you say. It depends. Yeah, the phrase. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, I don't that's think the it's, everything. it's the answer to everything, though. It's a great word. It's a great utilitarian sentence, right? And it, it is the standard software developer question: If there's how difficult is it to implement this? It depends because it really does. It's not a cope out. It really depends on how do we want to do it. And I think that's often it depends often. The phrase, it depends, often leads to interesting conversations about the actual challenges of the problem you're trying to solve. So I like it. You have such a good answer. Mine is just lazy. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> awesome? Boring word. I, I don't like that I use the word awesome. It's more of a more of a problem. It's like, every time I need a filler word or I need to express excitement, I say awesome. So let, let, me, let me give you a little bit of, a little, maybe this will help you with your, break your habit of awesome, but um, so Tammy Coron, who I used to do a podcast with, she hates it when people use the word awesome. There's a whole TED talk on the word awesome and why it's not, it's overused and it's used yeah. in the wrong places. But think about this. Okay. Like you can have a hot dog, right? I'm stole this from Eddie Izzard, by the way. If you have a hot dog and you say the hot dog is awesome, right? So you're describing this amazing feeling of eating this hot, this mm. hot dog. But also if you manage, if, if man goes to the moon in a rocket, that's also awesome. So the question <laughs> is. When you say it's awesome, is it awesome like a hot dog or awesome like a moon landing? Oh, definitely like the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> so every time, right? <laughs> what okay. is your favorite word? Uh, my, I think my favorite word is uh, ensorcelled. Okay, wow, that's fancier. <laughs> yeah, well, my wife, my wife does she does word uh, crosswords all the time, and and uh, she's she, machination is another one that I like to use. That's when you know somebody manipulates a situation. Yep like a machine kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But ensorcelled is like what a witch does to you. Which, yeah. A witch yeah. hypnotizes you, the ensorcelled. In case people didn't know, just explain. Which living person do you admire the most? Living? Give you a hit. You sit next to you. 
<laughs> I know that's definitely give that cheesy answer. But, but if I if we exclude that just to have a not as obvious answer, it's hard. There there are so many parts of people that where I think particular parts of what they're doing are mm-hmm. very admirable, while others are very much not. <laughs> um, or or just where I don't know the other parts enough to like maybe like Lauren Brichter, like very original, you know. IRS developer, um, did a lot for the platform, invented a lot of interesting paradigms. But I wouldn't know if I know enough to say the whole person seems like a very nice person, but I don't know if, if that, if I could commit to that. Um, <laughs> controversial, I'm sure Elon Musk probably has some good character traits. He has, does he really? <laughs> probably, but there's definitely a whole bunch of them that are not very, uh, but, you know, it seems like to, to be in charge of a pretty cool space company. Um, doesn't mean I would say I admire him at all, right? But I, I would maybe even say maybe five years ago, I would have foolishly said so. Mm-hmm. I've since learned a lot more. That I was like, all right, <laughs> happy that I never... <laughs> been recorded. Good that yeah. you didn't ask me that question five years on the record, right? So I always find it hard. I, maybe it's a negative <laughs> outlook at at people but i often feel like once you learn a lot more about people that that do interesting things you learn like oh i'm pretty happy that i'm pretty happy with the people with the person i am and with the people i have around me and not so excited about i mean i'm sure that if we would know everything that steve jobs did yeah, but on twitter like, that, we, maybe he would have a different opinion it's right such a different time like you could definitely have said steve jobs because you don't like we heard stories of things that he did were a bit questionable but I, we didn't know that like privately we don't know much about mm. him and i think that's the case with so many people mm. who are not alive anymore and it would be easier to answer that question <laughs> if you take like historical people yeah. um so that's why you probably should go more on a personal level and be like the person in your life you mm. maybe yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> like for every question, we just try to I, find I do have more call. questions. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like we, we're just looking for a loophole to, to think. Well, so since you're, talk, since you're talking about fame here, let's, let's, uh, let's use this question. So have you ever asked anyone for their autograph? Yeah. I mean, I've been a kid. <laughs> wow. Who did, who did you ask? Who did you ask? Definitely as a kid, I... I I was very into like if I saw like a famous Swedish singer who no one else ever you know you were with me on the the, the tall guy the with... tall guy even when Kai and I were together like I was youth and yeah. I was still excited we saw this one guy who just as a background we were on a train like just a like commuter train multiple times like the week and we always were on the train with the same person so we just talked to them like I was talking to him we we're just chatting. And then we got off the train, and Molly and her friend were super excited. It's like, this is a super famous person. I had no idea. Next train, same person again. We keep chatting. So I think fame is a bit different in Sweden, yeah. where, where apparently super famous people just take the train and they just chat around yeah, people. Definitely, yeah. 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 So, like in, in Sweden, I definitely did that a lot, like growing up and then before I, I moved. But now I think I have. Even if I would see someone who I would want to add an autograph from, I have too much admiration for them. So I wouldn't actually go up and Bothered ask him. for it. Yeah. You did take a selfie with John Syracuse. I did. And it took me about four days of the conference to <laughs> ma- make my mind up whether or not I should go up to John Syracuse and ask him for a photo. Yeah, I took uh, a picture with him too, actually. 
When I was at WWDC, I took, I was doing, I was interviewing people with my phone and then I put an episode together, but I also did selfies with just about anybody, everybody yeah. I met. And I, yeah. I met him walking into the, into the conference and said, Hey, can I take a picture with you? Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, he walked past me probably, I think at least five times before I was actually daring, daring to go up and say, say something. Yeah. But I've gotten more comfortable now. I think after ch chatting with people online, it makes it a lot easier to discuss to people who you might admire. Yeah. But usually, yeah, I, I, de I definitely, I definitely take the time if I see somebody that's like a, an author or something, a tech author that I like, I'll tell them I really like your work or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, I have some pretty cool autographs. Um, I think I have a picture, of, like a um, schematic of the Apple One computer signed by signed by Wozniak in my oh, in my cool. bathroom. Uh, I didn't meet him to get that. I bought that online, but uh, I did meet Bill Atkinson at WWDC in 2011, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was he was just at the at the conference just as a developer, and and I thought this is like I'm. I took my badge up and said, "Could you sign my badge?" And mm -hmm. all the young kids are looking at me like, "Who's this old guy? He's getting to sign his badge, right?" So that's one of my yeah. prized possessions. Yeah, I do think that's a good idea though to get badges signed. Because then you also keep the association with the event of the where the meeting occurred, right? So it's kind of nice if you have a dub-dub badge and you have a whole bunch of people that you think you, right? do yeah. cool things on, on the badge. So would you ask for an autograph from someone? I don't, I don't think so. For, for similar reason to you, mm -hmm. I would feel like. It, it has, yeah. It has to be, a, a, I have to talk to a person for other reasons. Like, let's say we bumped into each other and we just started chatting and then, like, you know what, I, I do know. Oh, that makes it also awkward. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So probably not, but not because I don't think people do cool things. More <laughs> because I I have not found a way of not being weird about it. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Weird. I mean, we we do that in Canada. We see. A, I mean, they're they're filming The Boys. You know, the TV show The Boys, yeah. <laughs> just down the street from my house. I could <laughs> go stand there right now and just you know be fanboy, but but you know, in Canada, we're like it's it's cool. Actually, I'll tell you a story. My son is uh, he used to be a editor of the Toronto Star here and it's one of the mm -hmm. more big people. Well you know the Toronto Star, right? And uh, but he used to be a sports writer and he got to go to Sweden to interview Borja Salming. Oh. And so mm -hmm. he spent the day with him walking around and you know people were coming up to him and shaking his hand and you know mm -hmm. and he was just like a guy. Like, you know, he said yeah. he was a really, really nice guy. Anyway, it's on it's on the Spotcast. If you ever listen to Spotcast we we talked about uh, he he was telling us about when he met Borja Salming and spent the day with him. Mm -hmm. oh, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um all right. What's the scariest animal? Oh, mosquito. Why? <laughs> I'm right there uh, with I, you, but I want to know why. Yeah. Uh, multiple reasons. In a lot of parts of the world, mosquitoes are super dangerous. And actually, you know, then if 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 you see a bear, like if you're in Canada, you see bear. If you, even you're super unlucky and grizzly bear, it's up to the bear to decide how much more time you have. Uh, and it's going to be over quick. Mos yeah, and you see it coming or you don't. And, and it's mosquitoes in a lot of places in the world, you don't know it's there everywhere. You, if you're just unlucky and the wrong mosquito gets you, you have something that you, if you're lucky, carry with you for the rest of your life or something that leads to something very painful. Um, and even if not, mosquitoes, even even here, they sometimes carry weird diseases that you definitely don't want to have. It's It's something that's really hard to protect yourself from if you're not going completely crazy because they just happen to be around they're super annoying even when they're not like they a mosquito in my bedroom will destroy that night's sleep uh i will not I'm, sleep until i'm i've <laughs> found that mosquito so in, in that sense they're, they're dangerous <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so I, I just think if there, if there, if we could get because a lot of other animals, you kind of, you know, if if you're in 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 the mountains, first of all, bear doesn't want to attack you. Mosquito, no, that's what it's doing. A mosquito is coming for you. That's its own pur- only purpose. Uh, a bear doesn't really want to attack you. It's more of a defense, or you're you're being you're you're scaring it, or you're, you're kind of getting too close to its cubs. Same for sharks. Sharks don't want to eat you, right? A lot of people might be scared about sharks. They, they don't want to. They they rather not be close to you. I mean, they're scary, right? If if you'd say, what animal do you want to to be in a in a fight with? <laughs> I'd rather pick the mosquito than being <laughs> being in the water with a great white. But as far as like general, normal, everyday scenarios yeah. of, of of in the world, the whole through. I mean, I have a long-standing passion for for against mosquitoes. Me too. I don't like them either. But you know the joke about the bear about meeting a bear in the woods, right? If you and I are in the woods and we see a bear, all I I know one thing that has to be true: I only have to run faster than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, a mosquito might take both of us. <laughs> What what number am I thinking of? Well, no, no. Well, you were close. I was thinking of twenty seven that time, uh-huh. <laughs> or seven twenty. Um, <laughs> what's the most used app on your iPhone? Can we look, or should we try to go from memory? You can look, or yeah, there, there from... is an app for that. You can go into the Screen Time and see. Yeah. You know. From memory, I would say Safari. Yeah, I, I, I keep. I this it's probably also something I'm could be an app I'm working on at the moment as well because I do. Device testing. Is it in the No. Uh, system preferences. Yep. Most use Safari by by quite a lot, followed by Overcast. You go to um, settings screen time, and right? to screen time. Yeah. And then to see all activity. Oh, all activity, right? Oh my God, Slack. <laughs> <laughs> well, we use Slack at work, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, Slack than Safari than messages than YouTube. I don't know what that says about me, but I spent more time on DaringFireball.net than on Slack. <laughs> Man, yeah, mine is Slack too. And then Clock. Clock? The what? The Clock app? Oh, you were timing ad read. Is this for today? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, that is. Slack for that long, though. Yeah, this is for today. Okay, yeah. The week. Okay. Week, yes. As I said, it's one of the projects I'm working on. And then it's Overcast and then Slack. Hmm. Mm. Cool. But yeah, that makes sense. I time, time myself for me. Okay, how about this one? Describe the rest of your life in five words. Awesome. <laughs> one. <laughs> now use it in a sentence. It depends on Mercury's success. That's good. You have my favorite word in there. Oh, phrase in there. Too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's what's your favorite action movie? I don't know when the last time was I watched an action movie. Probably Die Hard. I think that's one that we both like. I love Die Hard. Is this still action movie? Yeah, of course. Like, that was <laughs> this is more offensive than all the other things you said. Could be a thriller. Um, yeah, okay. Die Hard. Okay, Die Hard, okay. So Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, or Babylon 5? Okay, this is getting more controversial. Yeah. There you go. For some reason, despite being really into sci-fi, you picked, uh, you picked five there that we've all not had a lot of experience with. We've four. Um, we've Watch barely any Star Trek, but not because we don't like it, just because it's been on our backlog since forever. We only recently, a friend of ours, finally got... Hmm, last year, we finished watching all Star Wars movies. We've never watched uh, Star Wars before then. Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, what, in what them. order? In what order, though, did you watch them? We did release... No, we did release order. 
Not really. So we watched them all in release order. We actually recorded a podcast about it, but it's still not a, it's still not edited. Um, but yeah, so it only very recently got into Star Wars. I really like the since it's played like Star Wars video games and started watching Rogue One last night, actually. Um, we really struggle with movies. Uh, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It might be seeing... T- we can watch two episodes in a row of an one-hour TV show, I, but committing to two... No, it's not about... It's For me, it's not so much about commitment. It's about the depth of the characters that, that is true. develop within a movie versus a show. And it's probably controversial as well. And you can have a movie that with multiple, multiple <laughs> movies. But no, I do think... That is true. The depth. You commit for two hours, and worst case, best case scenario, you really like it, and you have to wait at least four years to get more of yeah. it. But TV show... You watch an episode or two, you, and if you do like it, best case scenario, you have 10 seasons of something you're really into with a lot of in-depth character development, backstories unfolding. And if you're really lucky, after 10 series, you're super satisfied and actually can't, comes to a, a satisfying, or at least plausible uh, mm-hmm. uh, closure. Mm-hmm. So TV shows over, over, uh, over movies anytime. So for your original question, I think I had to pick Star Wars because it's the thing that we've been watching the most. Yes, but all of those, all the others are also on our list of things we should really get into. I mean, especially talking to you with your other podcast, we should definitely yeah, go. Yeah, so what, 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 what sci-fi, what sci-fi, like Marvel or whatever, what, what's, what's your thing? I mean, that, that's a Not a lot of Marvel. Um, like from... we, we, in general, we're both suckers for time-traveling shows. Yeah, uh, like yeah. spoiler horn for anyone that's not, in case, because we might mention some things that... Yeah. that People might not know having repeating loops or, or time yeah. travel. So yeah, if I'm you're just time of that, too. Yeah. just just skip skip thirty seconds ahead. But things like uh, Mr. Robot, not time travel, but loop. Mr. Robot's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Memento, the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Really like uh, things like Severance. I can mm-hmm. more recap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but they all have that's there's all the sci-fi that's kind of a loop or yeah. or some kind of break of consciousness or repeating event yeah. like Groundhog Day was one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. as, a, as a kid like that was something I, I <laughs> couldn't get enough of yeah. <laughs> um, but those type of things yeah. other time travel if we're talking about shows we recently watched um, 12 Monkeys mm-hmm. really good Under the TV show or the movie the movie is really good. Yeah, that's yeah. honest. Ter- Terry uh, Gilliam is one of my favorite directors. So the movie that, and Brad Brad Pitt is really good in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the ones that were like the Canadian ones, like um, Travelers and yeah. uh, Orphan Black. Yeah, all yeah. of that kind of. Another one that's like it's. I sort of feel like it's the start. It, we put it in the same category, but it's not time traveling. But it's like, uh, yeah, like the. Uh, I guess continuous consciousness. Yeah. Like sci-fi with ideally sci-fi with the least amount of combat is is our jam. Yeah. Whenever there's rules that apply to that universe that ideally do not they're not the same as our actual base universe, and then being consistent about those rules and figuring out how to tell a really compelling story within the mm-hmm. the rules defined for whatever it is, time traveling, repeating events, mm-hmm. split consciousness, whatever the yeah. rules are, as long as they're consistent and a good story. I think we're also sort of Suckers for the, the ones when it's not like a heroic superpower. It's more of a, it's not almost a defect. <laughs> and it's sort of like a different role in the universe that the characters have to deal with. We mm-hmm. quite like that. Yeah. Uh, 
But you guys have Apple TV and Disney Plus and all that stuff, or you? Yeah. Yeah. But we're very often on whatever we want to watch. We subscribe. We're not we're not watching a crazy amount of stuff at the moment, just because where we're at the moment, projects where where there are a lot of things that we want to do both on our own projects and on on client work. So we're not watching a lot, so we just unsubscribe. Then we resubscribe if there's something we really want to watch. Like speaking of Star Wars, we're watching Rogue One, so we can then watch. Uh, uh, Andor. Andor. Uh, I mean, best. people debate whether you actually, because it's, you know, actually the order. But you, you know what? Andor, Andor is a really amazing show just on its own. Like, I think it's 12 episodes. And yeah, I mean, I just, I just watched, I saw a podcast this week just about the music of Andor. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, really, it's, it's, no, it's really good. I mean, like, we, we, we tear apart shows on our other podcast mm-hmm. because Jonathan, my son, you know, he's, he's a horrible guy to go to a movie with because you'll some major twist will happen three quarters of the way through the movie you look at him and go did you figure that i goes yeah i figured that out 20 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no he he i mean when jonathan says this is probably the best show on tv last year then like i'm pretty much sure that it is you know and it was a really good show so yeah 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 so we're we're watching rogue one we also have this weird habit of splitting movies into multiple sessions um but yeah we're watching rogue one and then watch yeah and then watch andor uh and then, yeah, so we're, that's kind of how we're dealing with the spring services. It's very much driven by by the show and well, not. And we often, there, there are few shows where we actually watch week to week. It's often that we're, not that we binge them all in one week, but we like being able to watch them when we feel for another episode rather than, than being locked into schedule. With the exception of Severance, we're really into that one. We call up and, and patiently you, you, have to wait. You got all the way through Severance already or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we're yeah, now waiting for season two to finally. Right? So we'll get to find out what happens at the end of that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it for another week. So if people want to get in touch with you. How would they? How would they find you? That is a loaded question at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So we're both available on available. Available. We're both on Twitter and on Mastodon. I think I'm posting more things on Mastodon uh, yeah. recently. Uh, feels a bit more chill. Yeah, my rule of thumb is I still gonna promote things that we're working on on Twitter, but I only use it for that. And everything that's personal or kind of things that I think are community share worthy, they all go on Mastodon because I feel like that's a way more community, nice, friendly platform that I wanna wanna support. Well, Twitter is more of a it's it's still a tool that we're using, but it's not something I'm I'm excited about. So if you want to find me on Twitter, it's my full name, Malin Sundberg, just one word. If you want to go for Mastodon, it's just my first name, even simpler, Malin. And Mastodon.social. Social. Social. Yeah. And you? I'm Eric High on Twitter and Adam Brodsky at Mastodon.social on Mastodon. Yeah. What about your your apps? apps If you want to check out our apps? You can look at... uh, See how good we are at marketing. You can look at market weather on the app store. That's why I'm here. Yeah. We can go to mercuryweather.app. Since last night, we have a a brand new website. Mercuryweather.app, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for time tracking and invoicing app, you can go to timeinorbit.com. By the way, with the Time in Orbit uh, website, I'm I'm pretty happy. The website, I think, looks pretty nice. We do have dark mode support. And everything is just handcrafted. HTML, CSS, JavaScript, not using any, any. I mean, not, not that there's anything against that. We were just pretty happy that we kept, we, we started, we're like, ah, we don't need to 
use Bootstrap. We just it's a small web page, but I'm actually pretty happy with it. We even have like a glass floating header when you start scrolling and all that's just very simple. You said you're not good at marketing. Yeah. I'm I'm selling our website. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice, cool. Um, and the podcast thing will come back. And do you want to talk about the core coffee? And... If if we if there's an Apple Apple VR AR XR any any anything related to Apple's uh, headset, then then cup of tech will definitely be mm -hmm. back because we'll spend hours and hours talking about whether we think in an ideal world Apple announces it doesn't let us play with it immediately, so we have enough time to to speculate whether it's any good or not, mm -hmm. and then that is the then Cup of Tech will definitely come back and it will be at least a three-hour episode of that because yeah. Mon and I, we, we're big fans of VR. Mm -hmm. um, I do see AR. I just think it's not not imminent. AR is probably going to be uh, quite a few years away. But I do think there are a lot of really interesting use cases for VR. Mm -hmm. So if if we if Apple joins that that realm, they'll definitely bring Cup of Tech yeah. back for that. Well, you, will you, if you can... If they open up an SDK for the VR device, would you jump in and make some apps, or what do you think? We would yeah. try to have something for day one, just because we've been on that, yeah. interested in, in in VR for so long. We've also we've I've dabbled with Unity and Unreal for for making some things for the Meta Quest. Uh, but if Apple would have something, and we can use, you know, even if it's just tangentially related to AR kits, uh, UI kits, uh, Swift yeah. UI. Using Swift, I would definitely build something, even if it's Mercury weather in AR, yeah. where you can see rain effect if it's raining outside or something. I would definitely do something. We'll be looking for an excuse to play around with that. Mm -hmm. That will end up building. And otherwise, uh, podcast-wise, you can also listen to ours. Oh, we should also build Orbit. And in, in yeah. <laughs> I've heard Tim in an interview saying that he really no. that he likes that you're floating uh, charts and mm -hmm. bar bar charts floating in front of your face. So we could build that. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying to wrap it up. Uh, I think if you do still want to listen to the podcast that we're on, we do have um, a slides podcast for the Deep Dish Swift conference. You can just search for that in your podcast listener. Uh, and we also have a meetup, which is online most of the time, um, called Core um, Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Core Coffee. So you can go and Hang out with us, chat with us um, on top, some Sundays, Sunday every second week. Is it every two weeks? Yeah, because that's where I hang out with these guys. Just so you <laughs> at home, those of you driving at home, this is what I'm doing on Sundays, <laughs> talking to these guys. Cool. All right, my name is Tim Etra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine and Mastodon is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. 
please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Much better at wrapping it up than we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've done it 376 times. (laughs) Yeah. We've also done that a few number of times. Our shows are not becoming. Yeah. I I don't know. If if you don't speak German, you've probably not listened to a German podcast. But there is, I would say I'm not very stereotypically German, but when it comes to podcasting, I can, I could totally record for five hours straight and just talk about random stuff. And it's very common. Like, there are a lot of podcasts, I think. Is that a thing common for podcasts, or is that a thing that's common for Germans catching up? I know. It's, yeah. Because yeah. I noticed that with you, too. Because if we go for a coffee with a friend, it becomes a long... We, we end up catching up with that friend for at least three hours. Yeah. Which is very nice. Uh, but I wonder if it's a German thing. Yeah. I, I guess so. Germans tend to, when you, when you catch up with someone, you just spend all day with them. Hmm. And then if you record a podcast with someone, you do that for all day. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, Mac Apple focused podcasts, uh, formerly Mobile Max, now Freak Show. Um, I think I had a six and a half, seven hour episode. Really? Just, wow. Yeah. In German. Do they eat Yeah, they yeah. get pizza delivered. And it's, it's like you just, it's kind of, it's a weird, it, it kind of makes sense, right? When it, it feels like you just spent a day with people that are really, really into tech and it's not as, structured and you know if you listen to um to some podcasts that have a format and they try to to maintain it i think uh you're a bit more flexible depending on who you're talking to and there's more variance but something like um uh atp for example they're they're fairly structured now right you you have like the intro sequence and then you have like the, the multiple parts and then ask atp it's it's very structured um german podcasts have a tendency of being completely unstructured and more of a there's there's a lot less tight editing so you might actually hear someone saying oh, i go to the washroom and they go up get up and then they're not not talking for a while the others keep talking and it's like the person comes back in it's it's really more of like as you would if you would spend the day with friends just in podcast forms mm-hmm. it's interesting I, I i like that concept and i don't know if that's it's something with people seeing it more as a business versus a hobby as well I think if you have a more rigid format, it becomes more of a, it just feels more organized. It feels mm-hmm. like something that you put more, even if it takes you seven hours to create an episode, that's a lot of time you spend on it. But I wonder if people... Then you got to spend time editing it and cleaning yeah. it up. German podcasts, crazy. at least tech podcasts, tend to not be edited. They're often very... Yeah, but I was going to say, if it's seven hours long, I'm not editing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're often just, I mean, it is a different kind of skill, right? To, to have, I mean, they're not all seven hours. Seven hours, I think, was the record. They, they tend to be more in the two, two and a half hour range, which, yeah. which you also sometimes manage. <laughs> well, no, uh, I mean, more, more than just code is we, we sometimes talk for three hours, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, because I'm, I'm in Toronto. So for me, it's like we start at nine o'clock at night for me. And then, but for Mark, you know, he's, he's on your time zone. So, yeah. you know, for, so we start at six in the afternoon or six in the evening for them and six 30, mm-hmm. I think. And, Spotcast is even worse. Like I have to remind these guys, I have to go to work tomorrow, so we need to end soon, <laughs> right? So, 
But yeah, no, we've 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 had some three and a half hour long conversations, and, yeah. and then a lot of it we can't put on the air, right? Because <laughs> if we start talking about stuff, we should, and there's times when we actually turn off the microphones and talk, right? So, yeah. yeah but I think bad. that is that's a very particular skill that like the professional German podcasters have to actually know for, to have a three and a half hour blog in which you purely talk about things that you're happy to go out. And I do think you do. There's a lot more personal stuff in there. So do they break for advertising and stuff like that, like other shows do? They they do have breaks for advertisements. Yeah, um, yeah. not all of them. Some of them, German like Mobile Max, one of the the biggest ones is donation based, so they don't have any ads. They just have people donating, and it's enough for for people to do it full time. Um, they do but... like Patreon or something like that, or something similar. <laughs> no, it's very German. Germans don't like lock-in systems that okay. uh so it's just a um bank transfer that nice. people, that's, that's oh. still the case yeah you, and i don't know if you have the same here i don't even know how you would do that but it's essentially a recurring bank transfer so oh like an, it automatically happens like a oh i see okay yeah because we could do yeah. interact here where you could just yeah. you know yeah. send money to each other but um but you can't you really schedule interact for the next 12 months right yeah you can have recurring yeah. interact interact no well, we certainly don't do this for the money. That's good. I can tell you that much. <laughs> we do it for the people. We do it for you folks listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny when you look at, I don't know if you've ever gone on Apple. Apple actually has a pretty good chart that shows mm-hmm. you the, the audience as you're listening. And then you can sort of see, you know, yeah, when yeah. they hear the music, they a lot of people drop off because they don't listen to the after show. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. We, yeah. we, some of our diehard fans, we like to hear about Mark's, you know, opinions and music and stuff like that <laughs> but I, I really like those formats like i i'm i'm always excited when there is a new like show like i, I don't know why i keep picking atp but we brought it up once I, I i'm excited when there's a new episode and i listen to that but i also like yeah. those like mtjc where it's more of a freer format i i think they're they're different but i i enjoy both and it's sort of yeah fun. I don't really listen to ATP that much myself, but I listen to it occasionally when there's a subject that they're talking about that I'm interested in, but I don't go out of my way. I mean, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, like CBC has a, a, sh- a show called Spark, which is on Sunday afternoons, and mm-hmm. uh, Nor, Nor Young talks about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listen to that one every week, uh, but I don't, listen to, I don't listen to it on Sunday. I listen to it as I'm walking my dog. Mm-hmm. And there's another marketing one called uh, Under the Influence by a really good marketing guy here in, in Canada or in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to that one regularly. And then, uh, I like Conan O'Brien's podcast. It's pretty yep. funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have heard, there's a, um, called smart less and it's, uh, Jason Bateman, oh. um, Jack, oh, I can't remember their names now, <laughs> but it's, uh, Jason Bateman. And, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, it's really funny. It's three, three actors and, and mm-hmm. they just, they just, they like two of them, we used to work together and. And one's pretty funny, and they and they they just they have really interesting people on. They had like Steven Steven Spielberg on a couple of weeks ago, oh, really? and then they had Bono on last episode. You know, so they get some pretty interesting people, and they they pick a guy, and they don't tell the other two uh, people on the show who it's going to be, and they have to they make them guess at the beginning of the show, right? Uh, but, but it's always a really fascinating fascinating talk, you know. But that was that's kind of hard though, when. <laughs> After Steven Spielberg or something, if you guess, and yeah. <laughs> you always undershoot at that point. Uh, yeah, well, they yeah. have some pretty pretty impressive people. I mean, you know, but like they have actors and comedians, and you know, like that's yeah, always amazing people that they have on. So, but 
But my problem with them is they they probably have like five commercials during the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really good at hitting the 30 second advance on, yeah. my, on my my podcatcher podcatcher app, right? So yeah, cool. Yeah, we we were the German my my favorite German podcast. Uh, I listened to since I don't know 2006 or something. They've been on for a very long time. Uh, they actually out of the blue it had a they they always have a essentially picked up the weeks similar to what Leo Laporte had in his shows. <laughs> And every, each of the hosts, there, uh, three people there, uh, would pick something. And they picked Mercury as one of their, their things of the week. So that was pretty exciting. Nice. And yeah. listen to something for, for like... Yeah. And I think this was something they mentioned four hours into the show. And we still get a lot of downloads from it. So. Really? Wow. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's funny because Spotcast, we got, Spotcast got picked up by a German podcast once. I had to go in... I had to take the recording and then go to Google Translate and translate it so I could see what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. No, yeah. I think I put it on. I, I uploaded it to YouTube and then I use YouTube's translation to English to yeah. see to see what they were saying. Because I was like, why are these guys? Because they put out an episode called Spotcast. I'm like, like, what are they stealing our show or stealing our name? And turned out they were talking about our show. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Germans really like podcasts. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the reason why. Uh, Marco added some good chapter support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing, right? If you have a seven-hour show, you really need to, you really want to have chapters. Well, I, I put chapters in my show because one of my <laughs> fans, you know, early on, not for the very beginning, but one of my fans said, "You got to put chapters in." And it's funny because everything that's in our in our show, I didn't realize at the time, is based on ATP because Aaron was a big fan of ATP, and he's the mm -hmm. one that sort of put the structure behind our show. Initially, like the Ask MTJC, we totally stole mm -hmm. that from them, right? Yeah. But it's funny, like I, I was on a podcast back in 2014, and I had never even listened to a podcast before. Oh, and then really? because yeah. because I did like you, I did the elective thing. I had an, I did an audio engineering in in university. I thought this isn't hard. I could do this, and that's how this that's how MTJC got started. And then then after two weeks, I'm like, oh my god, I have to keep doing this. <laughs> so oh, here I am, that. you know. Guess what I'm doing tomorrow morning? I'm going to be editing a podcast, right? <laughs> and a lot of times when I'm on Core Coffee with you guys, I'm I'm taking a break from editing a podcast, or I'm just about to I'm just about to publish it. <laughs> what what do you use? What is what is your workflow? What do you use for editing? Uh, well, I used I initially was doing it in Final Cut Pro. I do like I'll do this episode in Final Cut Pro because it's video, <laughs> but um. But then there was some weird artifacts that started putting in, they started putting clicks in, like I, I kept getting clicks in the audio. So I switched over to Logic. Mm -hmm. So we record, we each record, we use uh, Zoom backup as a backup recording. Mm -hmm. And then, because Mark never turns on his microphone. So Jaime and I record him on Zoom. And then mm -hmm. I use the best of those two recordings. And then, um, so Jaime records QuickTime, I record QuickTime audio, right? And because they don't like to be on camera, those guys, they're all worried about how they look, which I don't get. <laughs> But anyway, so, uh, uh, cause I don't got on my way folks, sorry, but, um, <laughs> they, uh, so, so I get their, they send me the thing on, on Dropbox, uh, their, their track and I go into logic. I put the three tracks together and I just edit the audio and I take out all the, all the, like me banging the microphone. Like I just mm -hmm. did, I would take that out. Um, anytime people smack their lips, like a lot of people, when they start talking though, and then they start talking, you know, I take all that out and then, um, you know, if my dog starts barking, you know, I'll mm -hmm. take that out. And so because I've got everybody on their own track, you know, if there's mm -hmm. some other noise coming from somebody else, I can mute them while, while yeah. and then I chop out pieces. So I do that. I do a first pass of all three of us together. And I do it. I don't do it at like one time speed. I do it at one, 1. 1.5 speed. So it's mm -hmm. fast. 
-hmm. and then uh, then I have to remember to turn that off and then bounce it down to a main one. And on the main track, I have my friend Mike uh, Minkemans does the voiceover part at the beginning, mm -hmm. and then the music, and then um, and and then and we do the outro at the end, and mm -hmm. and then the after show after that. And then as I'm editing the second pass, that's when I put chapters in. So in more than just code. Good like, luck putting uh, chapters into this. <laughs> we went huh? off track, but good luck with chapters for this one. Oh, we went off track I'll put, every I'll put chapters in here. I'll put chapters in here. I, I usually don't put chapters in the after show, but when I was talking to Leo last week, he he went into a few things that were interesting in the in the after show, right? So mm -hmm. I put chapters in. I don't often put them in, but I did that mm -hmm. time. So yeah, unless yeah. we talk about something that's specific. <laughs> Are we doing after show right now? Huh? Well, is this? Are we going to after show right now? <laughs> You're in, this is the after show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the after show, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in it for a while now. <laughs> oh, you know what? You never did. T you never did say the name of the the Swedish actor you you asked for the selfie with, or the singer. I don't remember the name of this person. <laughs> wow, that important. Yeah. They are probably disappointed. They probably remember you. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what the person looks yeah, like. Yeah, Yeah, probably Johan. <laughs> okay, well, if you remember, send me before Sunday yeah. before I publish this one. <laughs> but often I like after shows, and because that's when everyone's like, "All right, now we're just kind of ditch telling." I, I I do like that. Yeah, definitely. You went cool. back into recording mode. I just realized that. <laughs> oh, you were back into recording mode. <laughs> we're doing the German hanging out right now. You know, like yeah. we're gonna get, go get the beer and yeah, exactly, <laughs> hang out. Yeah, but it is. It is. I do. I mean, it's always hard, right? I, I would really like more people to experience a German podcast, but it's <laughs> impossible if you don't speak the language. Yeah, it's like learn this. <laughs> learn is really hard to learn language, so you can then hear people talk about tech for seven hours. Well, like, my, my my son's name is Jonathan Kuline, you know, because uh -huh. his, his his family's from the Black Forest, right? So I'll tell him what you said about German podcasts. And he did, he learned German in high school so he could speak to his opa and oma and all that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, um, yeah so he, uh, he I'll tell him to listen to some German podcasts. They're really good. Because yeah. he's got the I mean, skill anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and the good yeah. thing is also, you may, you know, they're long enough that maybe in the beginning of the podcast, you don't listen to word. By the end of the seven hour <laughs> marathon, you might speak German. It's a yeah. video. Not all of them. Some because that could help with the learning. Yeah, I mean it's hard. Uh, I mean German is. I think German is already a hard language. Probably an okay language to learn to listen to. Pretty hard to speak. There are a lot of weird concepts that are even hard to explain as a native speaker. Hmm. Like just having hmm. three articles for everything. Why is it? Why is a car neutral? Um, but the balcony door is female. I don't know. Oh, it was, I saw a really interesting talk on that. Um... The other day was that it was about it was just this morning. It was they were talking about how I think it's um, I can't remember if it's French or German, but like in, in like you said in German some things would be female and and in in Spanish or French they would be male, right? So mm -hmm. like when you talk about a bridge, you know it's beautiful or it's wonderful because those are mm -hmm. sort of more feminine type adjectives. Whereas mm -hmm. in the other language, I forget which one it was, it's strong or it's long. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not that you know, it's not beautiful. Yeah. It's not aesthetically pleasing because, yeah. it, and it's just the same because in one language or the other, they're the, they change the gender, right? So yeah, yeah. And German has three of them. Uh, three genders, so, or yeah, four. Really? Yeah, because you have essentially a neutral one and then male and female, and that's just really hard mm -hmm. to learn. I have some friends that moved to Germany when they were uh, in their maybe early twenties, 
and mm-hmm. it took them 20 years or so living in the in the uh, in the country to to not make those mistakes because as a you know i for me i just have an intuition of knowing what what gender to use for for items i don't i can't i can't even teach that right if you would ask me yeah. i can yeah. i can tell you for individual words but there's no rule. You can't be like if it starts with a B and then there's a vowel. It's like no. No, I know. But you, but the thing is, you, you've you've lived your whole life with that, so you, yeah. you've built the pattern in your head, right? So yeah. you're, you know, your Oma and your Opa and your your mother yeah. and your father, they yeah. they taught this to you uh, yeah. intrinsically, right? It's, it's interesting because I do um I do some talks on on brain science and stuff like that, and and one of the things is is how babies learn to talk. Mm-hmm. Right? They initially start just by learning to make noises, mm-hmm. and then they start to form they form words and then they form like they form they start to if you listen to a baby talk as they develop they're they're sort of playing around with singing and they learn to sing actually before they learn to talk but and they kind of they kind of figure this all out and then eventually they say mom i want a sandwich and their parents minds are blown Mm -hmm. right you know because they've they've finally figured out how to to do that and it's funny because one of my uh my um my wife's uh, niece taught her daughter to sign when she, you know, when she wanted milk or whatever, mm-hmm. she taught her like sign language, and she did that long before she could speak. That's right? fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you know, so I mean, we all start by learning by by imitating the people around mm-hmm. us, right? So mm-hmm. that's probably how you you patterned male, female, gender, male, female, and neutral for words, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in in English, we don't have that. So I mean, I'm yeah. lost when I do I, I, when I go to Portugal or Spain or whatever. I always get the gender wrong. Like when I yeah. when yeah. I say meet yeah. a lady in the in the cashier at the, in the grocery store, I'll say thank you very much, and but she'll look at me and she'll she'll say it back to me the right way, and I'm like, mm. uh, okay, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, because I'm Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it is it is tricky. I I do like uh, all languages. I do like speaking English the most. I oh. think it's the really yeah. I do. I mean, what I. There are some things about German I like. There's some yeah. parts about like Swedish just feels very. It's hard to live conversations. To us, but, I mean, it, it might also be based on on my the way I learned Swedish. But in <laughs> Swedish, I mean, even for you, right? Often things sound very simple when you stay in in Swedish, yeah. and you don't have a nice way of of you know. They're, they're, you you might use a different way of describing a nice car and and a kind of rundown beater of a car yeah. and in sweden you would use the, the word for the beater even for the nice car and it feels wrong if you're oh yeah if, mm. yeah yes like yeah i feel like it's you can get around very easily with real like it, it, it we don't have the formality that you have in german like in german you have a formal version and the, like and people will think it's strange if you use the wrong one in sweden you don't have different versions mm. of each of the words it's, it's very casual mm. like they yeah, but I, I think English has the casual part, but still has enough range that you can express the mm-hmm. less casual things yeah. if you want to, but it's not the default. Like, for example, I'm, I'm missing in Swedish. Like, there isn't that nuance of, like, if you want to express something that is beautiful, there's not that many words, like, as yes. an example. It's a very pragmatic language yeah. rather than yeah. And also in German, I don't know if you know, but you have a formal U and an informal U. Mm-hmm. So if you are, for example, traditionally, if you're a younger person and you talk to an older person, you would use the formal you. You would do it in Sweden, like, probably 80, 70 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But in Germany, you still, in Germany, you still do that today. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of off-putting for me because I, I really like the concept of, like, we are all just 
on this planet together. <laughs> Sounds very uh, bohemian. But we're all here together, and just because uh, one person is older than the other doesn't mean you're you should talk different to each other. Like if you if it's a if it's a thing about being nice, just be nice to everyone, right? Why mm. would one person? Why would there be built-in hierarchy in language just because you talk to someone? Yeah. You know, I've met some people that are younger than me that are very impressive. Mm-hmm. Why would I talk down on them, and no. why should they talk up to me? I just feel like that is and and making that decision adds a lot of unnecessary social stress. Mm-hmm. Like, do you? Yeah. Do you go to a supermarket and you make the assumption that the person is older than you? That seems kind of weird, right? That can that could be offensive, mm-hmm. and that right. is sometimes offensive. If you if you use the formal you for a person that is too young, they they might feel offended because you essentially called them old, yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. just wanted to be polite, right? Yeah. You 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 right, try right. to not be insulting, but therefore you insulted mm-hmm. because there's so much weird nuance around that. I find that very very exhausting, yeah. especially. <laughs> In Sweden, we almost say, we take it to an additional level. I think in 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 English, you have less formality in that way, but you would still call um you would still often call people by the surname if you don't know them, or you might refer to them by the surname. I think it's school and those things. But in Sweden, like you don't have any formality when it comes to like hierarchy in that mm-hmm. way. Like I could, I would call my teachers their nicknames, um, and it, mm-hmm. it's just not the not the system like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I gotta run because um, it's late here, and my wife has just gotten home. So yeah, we'll wrap up and say goodbye. You guys gotta have dinner and things, right? Yes, yep. that's good. Cool. Uh, yeah. You mentioned pizza. No, I'm really up for pizza. Yeah, we also just we recorded one of. Aren't the, you gonna have uh, grilled classes. cheese sandwiches? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be good. Yeah, right, but you should let. Yeah, we should let you. Cool. Good. Okay, go for another hour. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't forget um, to like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for being on the show talk to you later i'll see you guys on well, that was Sunday. Super fun. Good day. anytime